0: Make noise! Make noise, make noise! Make noise! Make noise! Make noise, make noise, make noise, make noise! Make noise! Make noise, make Make This is one of the few people right here, basically, and I want to say this before we do anything without this man, and I'm going to put my glasses on because I don't want to cry. I might wind up crying. Um, I have to be honest. Without this man, there's no Fat Man Scoop. No Dougie Fresh, no Fat Man Scoop. It just doesn't happen. This is, this, is a, this is a man that I was in his quote-unquote farm system for many years. Um, without him, I don't know how to perform. I don't know how to rock a crowd. I don't know how to do the simple things. Um, my direct mentor... Was DJ Chill Will, which is his partner in the crime. But this man, through doing everything for me in terms of me just watching him and watching what he does and how he moves and, and all of the little things, made me the man I am today. This is Dougie Fresh. And, and everybody, give a thumbs up emoji for Dougie Fresh. He's in the building. Oh, uh,
1: man, I appreciate that scope. I appreciate that, brother. And, and, and thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, man. And uh, you know, you have definitely transformed your brand into something that I think is very, very special. And there is only one Fat Man School, so I appreciate being a part of that uh, that 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 journey and that development. You know, and you know, me, Barry, will. You know, we love you, we love Knuckles, we love Sean, we love everybody that was a part of the whole, you know, foundation, you know, and and uh and we 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 watched you, we watched you grow, we watched you grow. And for me it was a big thing too when they honored me out in Nashville and I seen you there, I was like, Okay, this is right, this is right now, this is right. Because you know, your energy is always the same, man. You always been You know, you always been my man from from day one till now. It ain't never changed, man. You know?
0: So I I appreciate it. i I I just tell you like this. People, if you might not understand, there's a a way that you rock crowds. There's certain things you have to say. There's certain things you have to do. Uh, There's there's certain things you got to put in the air. One of the things, this very small thing that Dougie always does, he'll say, he'll be in a town and he'll be like, Winston, Tennessee, got some of the finest women in the world. <laughs> and, and the crowd goes berserk. It's just those little things that you have to know oh. to get the crowd on your side and how to deal with hecklers and how to deal with things to keep the, keep the music moving and everything that, if you don't know that, you will die on stage. Don't think you won't die on stage. It can happen right. to the man with the hottest record. And that's, that's what, what he taught me. So let's start from the beginning. What was the first thing you remember about music? How did you get involved?
1: Well, I got involved with hip-hop because around my neighborhood, there was a group called D&D Express, and they they became the sound company for Harlem World. So in 1980, 81, there was a kid down there playing on the microphone, you know, rapping, and I walked by, and I would walk by because they had the speakers in the brownstone in the basement. Anybody that's been to Harlem, you know, that's part of Harlem. So long story short, I seen them in there rapping, and one day I just built up the courage to go in there because I felt like something was magnetically drawing it, drawing me to a scoop. So I went in there and I got on. I, I stood there for a minute and then I looked at him like this because he had an echo chamber and all that going on and he was small. His name was Joe. And what happened is he took the mic and he handed it to me. And when he handed it to me, I did like this is there, man. Like I grabbed the mic and I heard some go, oh, <laughs> like, you know, like I knew, that,
0: that, was that was it. Did yeah, you, so that was it. Did, did you start rapping that day or, or, or what happened?
1: Did you just what, rock, what, 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 I, I you started. Trying, the I, I started trying to rap, right? But he had the echo chamber on. So I was trying to find the beat. Then after that, I realized that the echo chamber was throwing me off. So I cut the echo chamber down. And I was really just going to the store for my mother. You see what I'm saying? Because I was like, what, 12. 11, 12? And, and so after I started, and I was in there for a minute, and then I found out, like, you know, that if you if you ride this beat, you know, like if you just, you know, like for some reason, um, there's a thing that I got, and I think I I think it it, it it developed years went on. You know, I gotta think. Some people say person have perfect pitch. I have perfect rhythm. Like I can, I can hear any kind of track, any kind of beat, any kind of syncopation, anything that they have, and I can actually find the rhythm. Like I always joke with Barry because I tell him, Yo, that's off beat. Yo, that's off beat. And me and Will would always joke with him. Yo, like, where you bringing that in at? You know what I mean? Because it's like a natural thing. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as precise as a drummer. Like as a drummer or as a drum machine, I can be as precise as that. So that's what I did. I went down in the basement and th- and I felt the love affair, man. It's like sometimes things that are for you are only for you. And mm-hmm. you know, you know when it's for you. Nobody mm-hmm. can tell you. And everybody could be saying everything and trying to make you feel certain ways. But when you know in your spirit, in your heart, your soul, you know it's for you, Nothing could take you off that journey, you
0: know. Right. That's my opinion. Right. So, so now you're in there, you're doing your thing. How do you wind up creating the human beatbox, the the sound, the rhythm, everything associated with it? Well, very simple. Um, you know, Harlem. You know Harlem, baby.
1: I gotta keep ringing it. You, you know, you know we know Harlem. So. Exactly. I, Remember the school, and, and I'm going to say it to you because it's very more, you know, talking to you, is like me and you talking like on the corner and sitting on the yes. stoop, you know what I mean? This ain't even like an enemy. We talking on the stoop right now in Harlem. So exactly. this is what happened. You know, IS-201, where we used to do the parties at, right? right. You perform yes. there. So I used to go to that school. So I went to that school. And when I went there, they had a music program in the school, and the teacher name was Brother Lee. And what happened is I went in there to play the drums and the percussions, and he said, no, that's not what I want. He said, you want to play it? I'll let you play that, but you must play the trumpet first. And I was like, "Come on, man! what? I was like, why are you making me do this? He said, the trumpet, he said, I play the trumpet. I see something in you. You need to play the trumpet. I was like, all right, cool. So I take the trumpet home with me. I'm going back and forth with it, practicing all of the different sounds of the trumpet, like knowing how to blow in a trumpet is different than a normal instrument. So long story short, I one day take the trumpet back to IS201. Brother Lee is gone. They said the music program was cut. Brother Lee is gone. So from that point, I'm walking home without a trumpet. But you know how Harlem is. They got speakers at every mom and pop record shop going straight up 125th. So mm-hmm. I'm walking home by myself from Madison all the way back up to St. Nick. So while I'm walking home, I'm up there hearing music. So I'm hearing, you know, it was a Friday night. Everybody was breaking. Out, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm hearing the bass now. <clears throat> so at first, I'm, I'm just humming it like boom. Boom, boom, boom. And then the next day, I'm like, let me see if I can put a foot to it. Boom, 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 boom. I boom, boom. said, so let me see if I can put the, the snare to it. Boom, 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 boom. Let me see if I can put the hi hat. Then I said, let me see if I can put some another sound. And I don't know where the hell this sound comes boom, 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 boom. And then I said, let me put another one. So after a while, I'm like eight sounds in. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So then I go to Barry's house. To practice, me and Will would cut school and go to Barry's house and practice all day. So I'm up there practicing. Barry's changing the records. Because you remember Barry Barry had that little room in the back. And yes. his mother was right next door to the room. Yes. Like The rooms are like this in the projects. they like, like so small. So long story short... I'm practicing in there, rhyming, Kid West is in there, Magic, D, you know, Ooh. everybody, Devastating is in the room. So all of a sudden, he cuts the record off, Will is standing there, and I just said,
0: <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: and I started doing all these different things, and he's looking at me, and he's going, yo, yo, what is that? I said, nah, it's just something I be doing when I walk home from school. He turned around, he said, yo, that's crazy. You should call that the human big box. I said I'm not like doing nothing like that. He said, and you should do it in the big park. And you know about the big park with Mike and yes. Dave. So yes. this is all true story. So he said you should do it in the big park. I'm telling you, and Will and them chimed in like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do that. So afterwards, long story short, I do it in the big park. Everybody lose their mind. Mike and Dave is shook. Nobody seen it, and that was the birth of the beatbox but the question is this though that I always ask myself still to this day school I say would I have made that up if I would have continued to practice the trumpet when they took the trumpet away from me was that the thing that made me come up with what it is that I came up with because Mm -hmm. if I would have kept playing the trumpet because the beatboxes, I'm analyzing it it's a combination of the exercises I did from the trumpet, plus the percussions of the drums and the, and 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 the congas. Uh, so I say to myself all the time, "Would I have done that?" And then I remember that I probably wouldn't have done it because I think I created something to replace what it was that was missing, and that's how the fifth element of the beatbox came to birth. Now, 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 where where did Brother Lee go? Where, where did he wind up? Well, interestingly enough, Brother Lee was a jazz musician, and they was putting real musicians in schools at the time. Come to find out years later when the show came out, I never forgot this, and I said, yo, man, I want to call Brother Lee. I'm gonna, I, I want to thank Brother Lee. Come to find out, show you how life is, school. Brother Lee is related to Spike Lee. Brother Lee oh, is related wow. to, his son is Malcolm Lee who did Girl Trip, who did Best Friends with, like all of these different movies, his son and me it got together. And then I jumped in Girl Trip with him and he was telling me about his son. And then one day I tried to get him to perform with me at Madison Square. want to perform at Madison Square because he was a little older, but he told me that he was proud of me. And I told him that I appreciate that he... He he took me down the road of the trumpet because I don't think that the beatbox would have ever came into existence.
0: Now, now a couple of different questions. Number one, people, just so I can preface this, IS two hundred one is a is a school in Harlem. It's a school that has no windows. I want it, it's the only school I've ever right. seen with no. Windows. What's more important about it is it has a lot to do with the birth of hip hop. There were two right. promoters, and they were named Mike and Dave. And basically, right. years ago, Mike and Dave were a stop on what we would call the Chitlin circuit now. If you if you had records out back in the 80s and this, the, this, the, the mid-80s and early 90s, you had to go to Mike and Dave to perform your records to get hot in the streets. Or if you got hot in the streets... That's where you performed it in front of a big crowd. So that's what IS two hundred one was about. Now, now, you you were the first person to ever do the beatbox. You were the first yes. ever to introduce that into hip hop history. Yeah, I was
1: the first to do the beatbox because I made it up in eighty one, and I and I and I introduced it in eighty two. I was developing it as I go along, and then as I did it what happened in 82 when I let it out and I performed at Harlem Week and stuff like that. Then it got around to where Brooklyn, you know, Buffy and the the Disco Three, which actually they was in a rap contest called Tim Pan Pan Apple Rap Contest. I tried to get in the contest, but they, for some reason, didn't want me in the contest. So Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, their name was Disco Three. And then they changed their name from Disco 3 to The Fat Boys. The Fat Boys. Because basically, you know, uh, Charles, Charles Stetler, who's a good friend of mine now, is, is their marketing manager. Mm-hmm. And Buffy doesn't go back in my, I, I don't have any knowledge of it, but I don't think he was doing, he was doing any shows or performing in 1982. I have flyers that show you the human Beatbox. Dougie Fresh in 1982. And the name was created because Barry was the one who said it. There was the, the name didn't even exist before the action was created. You see what I'm saying? And the only reason why he came up with that is because of flashes on the B box going. So, when, because of that, he said, Yo, you're doing the same thing, but you obviously are a person doing it. And that's how the name came about. So, yeah. I have to say, with with honesty and truth, there is no one that comes before me that I know. And Biz in '82, we did a show with Mike and Davis, Shirley Arena, and Biz was on the show with us. He wasn't doing the beatbox. He started doing the beatbox when he came around me and came around Barry and Will. And you know, he 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 don't lie about that. <laughs> but. It's a very interesting thing, you know, because I never thought that what I did, what I, I was doing would have become the fifth element. You know what I mean? And I didn't know that the things that we were doing then will be what they are now. Like Barry and Will is the Gift Fresh Crew. It's the first group in the hip hop history for all those that appreciate history, which you should, because a man without history is like a tree without roots. Get fresh crew, Chill Will and Barry B are the only is the only group in hip hop where there was two DJs that was DJing simultaneously at the same time. There was no separation, no break, no nothing. Two DJs at one time. No other crew, nobody did that. And then came the DJ executioners, which
0: is an offspring of this. Right now, now so people so that you understand so that you understand what he's saying and the history behind it. Dougie Flesh and the Get Fresh crew was Dougie and DJ Chillwell and DJ Barry B, two DJs. Whether you know it or not, he birthed and he helped Biz Markie. I was there to see that. He's Get Fresh, we rapper, know it. <laughs> okay, right. Another rapper that was in that, because it was three of us that were in Dougie Fresh's farm system. Biz Markie was one of them. Rob Bass was another one. So Rob Bass had two DJs as well. DJ Easy Rock and DJ Easy Kid. God bless Skip. God bless the dead. Then, wow. you, have another, then you have another group. Yeah, Skip, Skip, yep. Skip. God bless the Then you have another group in our Dougie Fresh's farm system under Chill Will. And that group was called the Biz Boys. The Biz Boys was a guy named Fat Man Scoop who was not Batman Man Scoop at the time. He was the Fat Man Scoop rock. And he had a DJ named Sean C. And a DJ named Steve D. Now, these two DJs were some of the best competition and skilled DJs that you will ever see. DJ Steve D., DJ Sean C., and a couple of our other friends in the neighborhood, my man, our first DJ DMD, we used to call him D- uh, DMD, and uh, Johnny Cash... And uh a couple other people That's right. and That's and right. and God bless the dead. We were all together and we ran into this little 12 uh, year old kid. He was a rebel, he was a thug, and we 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 used DJing to kind of calm him down. He became the he became Grandmaster Rock Waiter. God bless the dead. He became a grandmaster. He won every tournament that you could ever think of. The first DJ, Steve D., who was my DJ, because I had two DJs, because I was in Dougie Preston's system, and that's how we did it, he won something called a New Music Seminar. All of these guys got together, and they created a team called the X-Men. And the mm. X-Men, as Dougie said... Uh, some of the best competition DJs in the world, go look them up. They are still revered to this day. And to be honest with you, that's part of your, that's part of your tree too, Doug. That's part of your wow. tree too. I mean, the executioners, the X-Men, whatever you want to call them, they're part of your tree, too. And people, just in case you're tuning in, we are here with Dougie Fresh. Interviews, news, and more happen here daily at 6 p.m. Tomorrow we have Chuck D, so make sure you follow me and hit the notification button so you'll know who's coming on the show each and every day. Back to, back to you, Doug. Meaning the Get Fresh crew, where do you meet Chill Will and Barry B? Well,
1: I met Chill Will in school. We was in school. We were in Charles Evan Hughes, and I used to hang out with a friend of mine, very, very close friend of mine still to this day. His name is Pop, Pop Ski, and he lived in Lincoln. So Pop and me used to work out in the gym all the time. We had that in common. We liked to work out. So when Pop w- uh, was with me, I said, he said he got a DJ in, in Lincoln that he know named Barry B. He said he's really good, and he's with this group, same Three. He said, why don't you come by one day and see what's up? I came in the house, man, Barry was DJing Scoop on like little novels and it turntable was leaning and it never, he never missed a beat It never fell off. I mean, it was just such a bizarre thing to see that I th- that I said, yo, Will, we got I gotta bring you over here to Barry's. And then when Barry came over there and Will was cutting, you know what I mean? Cause Will is a technical, he's technically inclined on another level beyond most people. Like, he just been that way since a kid. You put a machine in front of him, he'll figure out how it works. he'll cut things on, he'll know how to turn them up, turn them down, like it's crazy. So then what happened is Devastating 3 went to college because their mothers and fathers made them feel like, yo, this hip-hop thing is not really gonna pop. See, and what most people don't know is hip-hop wasn't something that was a guarantee. Nobody knew what was gonna happen. This was a roll of the dice, and it was yes. a and it was a very expensive roll because you're putting everything in it. And that's how I felt. That's why I told you the story when I first grabbed that mic, I felt something, and whatever I felt, it was damn near like Thor grabbing the hammer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so what happened is that when the group went to college, Barry was there by himself and he was always with us. We practiced 24 hours a day. So when I was setting it up to make the show and do all of the different moves, I told him, I said, yo, Barry is, is no possible way that this is going down without Barry, you know what I mean? Like. Because no, most people was looking at me like, why do you need two DJs? I was like, well, it's because this is what I've been doing all along. And they, and we've been building something. So, you know, he wanted to, we we knew he was with Devastating 3, but there was no more Devastating 3. Mm-hmm. So I said, he's coming with me. and And based on me doing that, it transformed everything again. You see what I'm saying? So just like the Trumpet. It transformed everything when the trumpet was taken. And just like when Barry was going off, I mean, when his team was going to college, which was understandable, I did not feel that it was ethical for me to leave Barry behind and that's it. I was like, nah, B, you coming with me. So when I was with Public Enemy, when we was out there with any of the groups, everybody was looking at us in this bizarre way. Like, how are y'all gonna have these two DJs? Like. I've never seen nothing like
0: this, and it changed everything. Uh, you know, and and I'm gonna go back and, and preface this again. Just uh, not preface, but give a little bit of uh, historical context to it. The devastating three were uh, two guys. It was were three guys: Barry B, and then it was a guy named Ive West and Magic D. And and, you. and and Von Gita. And Von Gita, you're right. And Von right. Gita. My 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 fault. I apologize. When I tell you. This guy, his name was Ive West. Call him Kid West. There is, if he would have come out with a record, he would have been one of the best rappers of the early to mid-80s. Hands down. His voice down. His voice, his delivery, stops t- stop sweat, wear a bandana, too. Gain weight, take tips from Santa. Al Pacino, baby, tell me him on Santa. Like, he, he, this guy was really, really good. He was so good, I can recite his rhymes that he said to this day. So they, they were one of uh, Harlem's top groups. Like, like Dougie said, they decided to go off and go to college, and that's how that happened. Now, how did you wind up meeting Slick Rick? What was the story behind that? Well, before I go into the thing about Slick Rick, I
1: want to acknowledge something with you, man, really quick. A lot of people don't know how good you can rhyme. See, and now, 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 you see how you just ran that off. And then I watched one of your shows where you were talking about the different, uh, the different MCs or the different artists that was rhyming, and it was fascinating to me because. See, this is what I wanted to tell you when I was doing it, but I'm not gonna go deep into this because I know it's not at that much time for this. But I wanted to say that, see, don't ever underestimate your acknowledgement as an MC, because you rhymed first. See, and like me, when I was over at Barry's house, I'm an MC first, I was rhyming. But I had to make a creative decision on this and this is what I wanted to say to you so you can understand this and I want to say this right that sometimes when you are an innovator and sometimes when you're leading away you can't go the same way everybody go now with you or if you're reinventing a brand You used to rhyme all the time, and we would hear you, and I'd be like, ooh, listen to what he did right there. Look at this right here. And and I know, I know how good you rhyme, but you made a choice, and you took a different turn. And when you made that turn, you became this party energy-driven personality and now also a great, you know, uh, show host like you're doing now. But... You had to make a decision. So when I was doing the beatbox, when I discovered that, I couldn't go as hard. I, I had to split my energy up because I knew the beatbox was important as a fifth mm-hmm. element. So I couldn't mm-hmm. dedicate all my time to just saying rhyme, 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 rhyme. Cause me and Wes used to do tapes. You know, we got, we got me and Wes got some of the most classical tapes, tapes. In, in Harlem's you know history rhyming back and forth you know what i mean so but that's the point i'm trying to tell you school sometimes in life you are chosen to do something and you Mm got to hear it and when you hear it you make that you make that choice is it is it important to get acknowledged as the greatest rapper i think for those that only rap yes but if you are an entertainer that's just one little teeny piece of the whole mm-hmm. puzzle. And not to mm-hmm. take away from that, because that's important. But everybody has chosen to do what they need to do. So that's a segue into the point of Slick Rick. Mm-hmm. I met Slick Rick when he was on stage with a guy named Donald D and a guy named June Love, which which the original style of the way you had Greg Nice rock come mm-hmm. out of that flow. Cause Because Greg Nice was a beatboxer and he was going to do that with June Love. But when June Love unfortunately transitioned, uh, Greg Nice did what any real dude would do. He picked up the baton and kept on rocking. Now, right. And then so now with Rick. Rick was rhyming and I seen something about him that was different. And because it was different... I brought him around Magic, D, Will, everybody, and we all just listened to him. And when we listened to him, we felt Rick was creative, he was unique, and he could make a contribution. And then when I put him into the Get Fresh crew, he would he would, he would would be pressing me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I would see him. I'd be performing at the stake. He'd be like, yo, put me on, put me on. I'd be over there, he'd be like, yo, put me on. I'm telling you, I'm nice. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, wait. And then one day, I brought him to Will's house. And that was the first day that he opened up and he did la di It was so funny. It took him damn near like 45 minutes to finish the rhyme. And at the end of it, because he was pressing me so hard to get on, at the end of it, he said, I told
0: you I'm nice. Like that. <laughs> oh, wow. But you, you caught the English accent. You must have said, nobody rhymes like this. This guy has an English accent. Right, right. But, but because...
1: You you know, cause Rick now to cut it on and cut it off. He's like Moni Love. Moni Love how to cut it on and cut it off. And happy birthday to her today. I see it's her birthday and I knew her since she was small. You know what I mean? It's like people are just like I see everybody just moving up and their popping. It's a, it's an interesting time. But Rick's skills were extraordinary. So Barry's skills was extraordinary. Will's skills were extraordinary. I had created the fifth element. So I said, let me take Rick. And then my manager at the time was like, yo, don't put him on, man. Just do your thing, just do your thing. I was like, nah, man. I said, this guy is really, really creative and I'm gonna put him on. So what I did, I was doing shows without a record because of just our performing ability. So long story short, I put all the money together that I could find all my money, I just took everything I had, and I went in there, and I made the show. And then my manager at the time said, yo, why don't y'all do that thing called Lottie Dottie? Because he was the music teacher at Truman High School. Mm-hmm. So he said, yo, do that, man. And we put it on the other side, and it was a two-sided hit that transformed everything.
0: I mean, classic, classic, man. So now you got Wick out Rick out there. And, and, and people, if you've, if, just in case you been under a rocket. You've never heard the show. I still, <laughs> today, to this day, that is the best ending of a record that I've ever heard in my life. I don't know what you said. I think you said, Atravis Lee. What did you say? Atravis What did you say? And you can see. What you said. As you can see, most definitely. Definitely. Okay. As you can see, because that's like people saying, Do I say Brooklyn Clan? So now I know for sure. As you can (laughs) see, most definitely, we are fresh. Chill Will, fresh, Barry B fresh, Ricky D fresh. And I am the human D box, the entertainer, Doug E. Fresh. And then go into the it breaks out, it vamps out into the beat. To every time I hear that. I get, I get, I get goosebumps every time. That's the best thing yeah, I've ever heard in my entire life. So now you, are Whitwick, what goes wrong? Why do you guys break up? I, cause I've always wanted to ask you that, but I, I, I never, I never got to it. Hey, man, you could ask me any
1: question, man. I don't have no, 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 no skeletons and secrets. The, the, the one thing I wanted to tell you though is that even like on the show, like I said to you, see. A rapper rhymes, a MC rhymes, but but when you but when you're supposed to do something different, like at the end of that record, that's not something that one of these guys would have done, because that's not what they do. You see what I'm saying? As you can see, like nobody would have done that. Same way, nobody would have done the beatbox. Nobody would have been in the middle of the song like, "Here we go, here we go, come on, come." You wouldn't have done that, you know? Right? You wouldn't have done that. And then at the same time. Now we're rhyming. And and so that's the point I'm trying to make you understand about you, is that you are an MC. And when you look at MC, MC has to be redefined in the way that it should be originally defined. It cannot be defined as just, now we can break it down and say, who rhymes really good, who write rhymes really good. That's a different subject. And rhymes yes, come from different eras, and different eras of, of people write rhymes and say rhymes in different cadences and style. So it's impossible to pick who is the best at whatever the case may be. I was watching a documentary with Kareem Abdul Jabbar, who, who, who lived in Harlem. And he said he used to hang out with Will Chamberlain. So Will Chamberlain was the guy he got swagged from. And then he got on. And then after he got on, it went to this one and to that one. And now we're in LeBron now, let's say, right? So who's the best? How are you going to be able to determine that? Because they all break down into time capsules to me. Oh, yeah, you know? It's errors. It's definitely errors. Right. So moving from that into this, me and Rick, I think at the time, because we had a little dis—we we, we were, we were really good— We were rolling and everything was was fly. The energy was going. You know, there was a lot of little internal complications as far as, you know, uh, you know, just health issues. You know, some of the members of the crew got sick. Barry got sick. Rick got sick. You know, was a lot of different things. And, and, you know, I was still pushing on and Will was there and we were pushing on. But what happened is that our situation came down to ego. And ego is the, is, the, is the thing that I feel affected us the most. And what I mean by that is that I was paying Rick really good from this situation because it was way better than having a job. I, I, I put all my money into it. That was me who put the investment into it, you know, as well as my manager at the time gave me some money and I gave it right back to him. Okay? And so what happened is, is that Rick felt like he was entitled to more based on the success of the songs. You know, when the songs came out and I'm, I'm completely transparent, like I own the masters of the show on Lottie Dottie, right? I gave Rick, and then you have publishing, which you obviously know about. I gave Rick half for the royalties that came in. I gave Rick half for the publishing that came in. Still to this day, that's how we've been operating. I paid Will, I paid Barry. I gave everybody, uh, you know, I, I was fair. I was more than fair. Some people thought I was crazy. But my spirit, once again, told me to do this. But as him coming up and people is in his ear, because now they see this, this unbelievable talent, and then people were not in my ear as much because I was the, the, the guy at the head of this shit. You see what I'm saying? Because technically, to school just as another piece of information, I think I'm the first hip-hop artist in the history of this game to own his own masters. Because nobody on Enjoy owned their masters. Nobody on Sugar Hill owned their masters. Nobody on Curtis Blow didn't own his masters. Run DMC didn't own their masters. I own my masters because I took all my money and I put it up and I made these records and it, and it came off. So at that point... I think that me and Rick could have worked out our differences, but I felt in my ego, and I take responsibility in this, I felt that, yo, you know, you should be more grateful to the fact that this is what I created here and you helped create with it. But, you know, I could have handled that situation differently because his mother kept trying to get us to stay together to do it. And then he wasn't handling it right because there were probably people in his ear. I was 17, 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, long story short, I felt that it was better for us to disconnect because I had too much love for him and too much respect for him for us to ever make it seem like we would be arguing and, and fighting over something that we both loved so much. And so I made a decision that it's best for him to do what he did. And I think that it was the best decision because, and this is funny, and check this out, school. and I'm saying this to you because you, you, your mind game is crazy when it comes to this hip-hop thing. You're, a, you're an analyst, and, and I think oh, if I say this to you, you're going to really get this, bro, is that I don't think that me and him would have ever been able to do everything that we did separately together because I became who I am as an entertainer and my album came out which Chuck D named by the way World's Greatest Entertainer I wouldn't have been able to do that in the way that I needed to do that with Rick there because it would have been selfish and Rick wouldn't have been the great adventures of Slick Rick the greatest storyteller ever if I was there and i could have told a story or two but not like Rick you know what i mean or i would have we would have been conflicting so i just think sometimes at, at you know in every relationship you know there's a lot of power in it and sometimes there's a time when y'all have to transition and do different things that y'all need to do in order for hip hop to continue to be what it is and i feel like because of what i did because of what he did we are fat man scoop right now you know, we got Snoop, we got whomever we all influence. Fresh Princess from Dougie Fresh and Reddy Rock, and you know, and whomever we all influence. I just think that sometimes you have to break up in order for you to become the best version of yourself. Of yourself That's what that you I think.
0: Do you I, agree? I, I agree with you. Other than sitting in my car. You know, you guys didn't do any of any other records, you know, that's the one thing about the breakup that I miss. I wonder what the music would have been like. Sitting in my car was amazing. The Lottie Dottie was amazing. The show was amazing. And whether you guys knew it, you you, you built a whole other ecosystem in Harlem of people who copied you. Eminem, I, I mean, uh, Eminon and um, oh, Rich, Eminon. Rich, Rich, Rick. Yep. Yep, those all everybody you built you built an ecosystem of beatboxes and uh, and people these beatboxes were really good for some reason they didn't come out they didn't get heard but you built that ecosystem. People, um, right. just in case you people, if you just tuned in, we're talking to Dougie Fresh, interviews, news, and more happening every day at six p.m. Tomorrow we have Chuck D. If you haven't followed me, follow me now and you'll see who I'm having on each and every day of the week. You were talking about deals and 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 that you own your masters what was the music industry like back then for people who were not there that don't understand what kind of deals were people getting
1: the deals that people were getting back then was let me take all your masters let me take a piece of your publishing and at the same time give you a very bad royalty and let me sign you to long deals like 10 albums or more And that didn't happen with me because I watched what was happening. I watched what was going on. I'm the only artist out right now that's probably currently engaging as much as I I am. I was signed to Enjoy. I mean, I did a record on Enjoy Records. Most people don't know. That's like the second, the first rap. That was the first rap label. And then you had Sugar Hill after that. Enjoy was the first. And then you have Sounds of New York, which was Spoony G. I was born a record with Spoony G. I did a record with Spoony G and Spivey. So you going all the way back till then and now. The problem that I got with a lot of these things, and I'm going to keep it real again. See, sometimes we blame everybody and we don't take responsibility ourselves. Us as black people, we had an opportunity to control hip hop in the best way, but we was controlling it with a white mind. We, because, see, prior to, to hip hop taking its course, you had all these other labels that were signing, you know, Chuck Berry and, you know, and Louis Armstrong and just and Little Richard and, and James Brown. And they were trying to jerk them. So what happened is we were taught to jerk each other. So now when hip hop came around, you have these black men with white minds who are jerking each other and they're taking advantage of the younger generation who are coming with a new art form and a new culture. So some of us in the beginning, like the Cold Crush Brothers, Busy B, Hollywood, Lovebug Starsky, Fantastic, Theodore, Flash, Everybody, I can keep going on and on. The the Disco for any of these guys. All of these guys never got their fair share of what was going on. And a lot of them, treacherous, strange, people got demotivated from wanting to make records. Imagine you go to work every day and you never get paid. You're going to stop wanting to go to work. Mm-hmm. And even My if enjoy it. Even if you enjoy it and you feel like the person is taking advantage of you and there's no exchange, you're going to start feeling funny about it. So what happened to a lot of the originals, the originators, the people at the foundation, they were the ones who was the sacrificial lambs that never got their just due because there was a lot of labels with a lot of black labels with white minds meaning the way white people were doing business to the artists prior to hip-hop and we could have changed that and so i was the first that said out of a situation again there was people trying to tell me how to make my record and i didn't want them to tell me so i said you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put my money up and when i put my money up I'm gonna make the record I wanna make, Amazing. and when I did, I made the show, and I made Lottie Dottie, and that's how I own the masters. With that
0: being said, do you think that younger artists, like, and, and, and that that means from, you know, 1987 moving forward, do you think some of, some of the younger artists should put their mo- their money together and make a fund for some of the guys like you mentioned? that that kinda of got jerked out of the money, but they are the 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 trendsetters, the pioneers and the trailblazers of hip hop music. Do you think that we should just even if we put four cents a record away or you know two cents here and make a big fund so that those guys that came before us and they took the owls can be compensated and their families as well. I absolutely
1: think that something should be done. And that's something that I'm working on now. I had a conversation with Busy Bee, and I have to continue the conversation and Swiss Beats brought it up in a conversation. But a lot of us, you know, a lot of us are so independent. And so I hate to say this word, man, but school, you, you, you make me keep it so real. I got to say it. Some of us are selfish and mm-hmm. some of us are not looking at what's best for the greatest good, which is the best for everyone. You know, it doesn't make me feel good. See, I've never been the guy that would take the whole pie and keep it all to myself. And I've never been a money-driven person because that has never been my goal. My goal was I love hip hop and I wanted to be the best at what I do. And I I just fortunately fell upon being able to own the masses because I put my own money up and that was the way the deal was and I haven't even split it with him because he gave me my money back the label at the time but the real deal is that I think that we need to have more conversations about this where we're talking about a healthcare program for a lot of the different brothers because a lot of them can't get their teeth fixed. A lot of them can't get their, their, their you know, their, their, heart checked out and stuff like that. So I'm doing the best that I can to really formulate a team of people that I feel that we can do something constructive. And I don't want it to seem like we're giving them a handout as much as I want them to feel like they can. A lot of these brothers, man, are real soldiers, so... They don't want you to hand them nothing. They want you to give them an opportunity for them to be able to earn it. Cause these guys did it for fun. I'm the the first child of the first generation. Like I'm the fifth element in hip hop. There's five of them. So I'm the last of that, of that cloth. Like I learned directly from Hollywood. Lovebug, Busy Bee, all of these guys, LA Sunshine. So what I see is I gotta figure out a way to, to connect these new artists and the other ones in between to understand how if we all just did a little, nobody gotta do a lot. Just mm-hmm. a little, a teeny beany little, you know what I'm saying? So yep. your, your question is unbelievable. That's a great question, brother. Great question, I mean, brother.
0: Four, four, Four cents a record, a half a cent, uh, 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 one cent. You know, if, 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 if everybody, if, if, it was just, if, if it was just understood that everybody gave one cent off of every sale, one cent is not going to kill you. One cent is not going to kill Drake. One cent is not going to kill meat Mill. It's not going to kill the Nigos. It's not going to kill, it ain't going to kill me. But, but for the people who came before us, To have an opportunity, listen, they don't have to work for it. You already did the work. You already got work in my opinion. So here's the thing. You should just wake up to a check and the last years of your life need to be right. They need to be right. But the hardest part about that is who are we going to select as the as the chosen few that get that, because then that's gonna be that's gonna be a point of contention. Oh, I was the one, I was the one, because a lot of people credit Cool Herc as being the father of hip-hop, but then DJ Hollywood from Harlem, he was doing it, he was doing it beforehand. I I give it up to Cool Herc. I have nothing but respect for Cool Herc. But right. I know that. There was someone doing it before him, and that was Hollywood. And then, you know something quietly? There might have been somebody before Hollywood doing it. So how do we figure out who those people are to credit and give the money to? That's the, that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out.
1: Well, well, you know, that's a good point you bring it up, brother. And I'm going to tell you the, the real deal. See, none of that at this particular time has any significance on who did what first. We all know that you collectively played a role in this thing that we call hip-hop that's a multi-billion dollar business. We can argue about who was first and who was last later. Right now, let's do what's number one, and that's about survival. We, we have to deal with, with this one word called survival. Survival is what we all are going through right now in this country. You're not able to go on the road like you normally do. I'm not able to go on the road like I normally do. How many shows you normally do a year? How many shows you do? I do maybe about 170. And and, and 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 on a bad
0: year how many shows you do? 1 140. No, no, I do yeah. 1 180 190. On a bad year I do about 1 140.
1: Okay. That's a lot of money that you're losing right now, right? Because that is money that you normally would be making. Every time I talk to Will, even like scoopers in Sweden, he's in this, he's in that. You probably your passport is, is probably bananas. The way I change it, it every year. I have to change, you I have see, to get it changed every year. Right. This is a real this is a real conversation. So to me, we are all dealing with this economic issue, and all of it is affecting all of us. So if it's affecting you, if it's affecting me, imagine what it's doing to them.
0: It's coming.
1: It's coming. So So that's why I'm saying that obviously we have to be wise in the way we move. We got to think it through and we got to put the right people in place. But see, everybody has come into hip hop and they take from it, but nobody has returned anything to it. They seen how it was like the ground with flowers and you got fertile ground where you could put anything in the ground and it all grows and it's all good. But if you don't maintain the ground it will not continue to give you what you normally get from it. And now you have these artists, which I appreciate all of the new artists, and I don't even hold them in any kind of negative energy because some of them don't know the full history like you do or like I do. That's why I still talk to Wayne and Ross and the baby and Cole and Kendrick and whomever. I'm I'm the line that keeps all of the connection because Mm -hmm. what I got to do to keep them connected you'll never know it's like grandma passing and you never knew the full story of your family lineage you see what I'm saying so you're important I'm important this is important because it's deeper it's deeper than just the ego and that's the last thing I'll say on this is that the ego the same thing that affected me and Rick is the same disease that's affecting most artists. Artists' egos are beyond, it's beyond your imagination. Great. Now, great. the ego was good to get you rolling and to let people know how serious you are and you needed to have that boldness to be a great artist. The ego, the good ego, is the ego that propels you to the top. The bad ego is the one that drops you to the bottom. You see what I'm saying? Because the same thing that makes you laugh is the same thing that can make you cry. So the ego is this one little piece that I think every generation in hip-hop from my own observation has been the destructor, the destroyer of everything that we have built. It destroys you, it makes you feel like You know, I'm Rick James, bitch. You know what I'm saying? That that whole ego is a a knife. And I just used that particular thing that I said to make the point because that was something that everybody laughed at because they know his ego was out of control. So I think that before we can help the hip-hop generation or change what it is, we got to first deal with it. Removing some of this ego maniac energy. You understand what I'm saying? Like, some, I'm gonna say this to you to keep it 100. Probably some people you call to say, yo, I wanna put you on the show, da 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 da. Don't, don't, all the time you've been in the the game, out of all of the relationships (laughs) that you have, isn't it interesting that sometimes you just wanna put a platform together? You ain't making no crazy. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't embarrassing nobody. You just, you're just having a conversation, brother, mm-hmm. about real talk. And sometimes people be like, no, that's, uh, 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 nope. uh, maybe, maybe. because because it's because a lot of us are scared. A lot of us, our ego is, is it's just, it's very, it's in a certain place. And I don't blame them. I understand this problem. This problem goes deeper than you. It's insecurities. You know, it's people blowing your head up to make you believe you're bigger than the next man just because you got a record. There's nobody on your life right now that ain't the same as me or just yep. as great as me or greater. You see what I'm saying? But, but they would make you believe that you're not. So well, that's why I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. Saying, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to tell you this. That, if if we could remove that toxic, cancerous, negative ego, then we could save hip hop.
0: Without that, no good. We can't save hip hop. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something, and this is and this is something I can tell you for sure because I have these discussions every day. People think that doing this show is easy. It is hard to call people up. Some people say no. Some people dance around. I always tell people I'd rather have a real yes. I mean, I'd rather have a real no than a fake yes. Because sometimes, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Then you you can never find them, all that. But whatever, whatever the case may be with that, that's just what it is. My problem is that my own people, I got to run them up and down. But when I go to the EDM side and, and, and I'm blessed enough, to have rocked out on the EDM side, on the bam, 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 And That's I got right. on that side because when I got on that side, those artists, the white guys and stuff like that, they just embraced me. School, what you need? Ah, let's put you on the record. Ah, and, and I went over there, and I got so much love, and I made so many hit records that, honestly, I don't even need to be in the other room. I don't even need to be in the other that's the that's the band 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 is what takes me to tokyo it takes me to australia it takes me to sweden it takes me to russia but that but that was because i wasn't getting accepted over here and with with hip-hop people will shun you but this other music pop uh edm all that kind of stuff those guys bring you in and then they and, and then and then People look at you and say, Why are you over there? I'm over here because y'all didn't show me no love over here. And that is a hundred percent the problem of, of, of what you're talking about. Last, last question I want to ask you is about health and spirituality. You are the, one of the most healthy people I know. This, this is not a fluke. You've been doing this for years. You know, I- like you, you, you look, you look 28. For 32 years. That's just what it is. You've always been that person. I appreciate what do you. What what kind of tips can you give people in this time of coronavirus to stay healthy? Because I, if, if there's somebody I listen to, I listen to Dr. Sadie first, and then I listen to you right after.
1: Well, Scoop, I'm going to tell you something, brother. First of all, man, I want to say this before we end this thing, man. I want to say it now, and I don't want to wait until later. First of all, I want to say I'm proud of you. I want to say that your show is a, is, is a very, very important show in these particular important times. Um, you need to, people need to be uh, talked to, handled, and given love. And I say this all the time. Love is a demonstrative word that's proven through an action. You demonstrate love. You have been demonstrating love on every show. You give people shots who are unknown. You give people platforms who, who, who may abuse the platform. And you are a graceful person. You give them their respect. And I've watched you come from the beginning, carrying around the scope in your pocket. You people they? don't know that. That's people All who know me. Right, right. All the way. Through 201 and the radio station and all of the shows, and, and here you are now. And this is the thing I want to say to you, though, and you can answer this too before I answer yours is this. I don't, I, do you think any of this is a coincidence that you no, became who you are? Do you, think that they, do you think it's a coincidence that you can go into the EDM world, you can go into the hip-hop world, you can go into the R&B world, you can go into all of those different worlds? It ain't no coincidence, Scoop, because you were, you, you, you're, you're a, a different spirit. You see what I'm saying? And so, listen to this. Would you have just wanted to be the best rapper, or do you think that what you became it's something that's way deeper. You yes. see what I'm saying? Yes. And I remember you was writing rhymes, saying rhymes, doing rhymes every day. You're gonna always have that. But mm-hmm. there's only one fat man school that goes from every world and transitions from every world and make anybody, no matter what color, no matter what age, no matter what demographic, feel like they're home. And that is the thing that I'm talking about. Sometimes you gotta let go of everything that you think you're about to lose to gain everything that you're supposed to become. You see what I'm saying? And that's what you did. And, and, and I just wanted to tell you, thank you for having me on your show. And, and you know, I mean, I was looking forward to this. This, was, uh, this is one that I wanted to do because uh, it's, it's always good to see somebody glow. I've never been a jealous person. I don't even know how to be jealous. I'm not envious when somebody wins an award, if somebody gets acknowledgement. I'm like this all day long and I'm and I'm like this genuinely because I think us as people, we have been so 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 like taught to be like crabs in a barrel and hate and hurt and talk about somebody and feel bad if we acknowledge one person over another nah man we got to reverse this thing and we got to put love back into the game because that is the only thing that's going to transform us into being better people so saying that and segueing into what you said about health I always tell people this, you could be rich as all outdoors, you gotta have all the money in the world, but if you're not healthy, you will never enjoy the money that you have. There's people that's walking around with diabetes, high blood pressure, you know, heart problems, and many other things that they don't even know that they have. and they, And they're walking around now feeling, I'm afraid to go find out. But meanwhile, then when something happens, you affect the people that love you because you never took the time out to go get yourself checked out right and now here we are at this time that we got coronavirus on top of that and so now your immune system is not able to handle when this virus get into you because no matter what anybody say i think that is chemical warfare and i think it was designed for a specific reason but i'm just putting that out there for those that feel like i do so I think the only, the only real fighting chance we got is, yo, man, don't be afraid of some water. Don't be afraid of coconut water. Don't be afraid of, you know, taking the carbs out your system a little, like stop eating so much bread, rice, pasta, crackers, cookies, potato chips, all those things. Like if you, if you keep eating, I'm not saying don't have fun sometimes but don't be a slave to the carbs and don't be a slave to the sugar because these two things will destroy your body. And and Scoop, I tell people this all the time, brother. I say, yo, man, I see people with some of the nicest cars, a Bentley, a BMW, a -hmm. Mercedes, and I see them pull into the gas station. And one day I was sitting there observing them and the guy said, Hey, man, I'm going to put some gas in. He said, oh, you want regular? No, man, I don't put no regular in my car. You better put super. You better put super duper unleaded. Give me power. What's better than super unleaded? He said, power. He said, give me that. And I was looking at him. And I said, does he think the same way about his body? Mm -hmm. Does he think the same way about himself? Or do you love your car more than you love yourself? And if you Mm -hmm. love your car more than you love yourself, that's why your car, rides the way it do and you and you feel the way you do do because you're not putting in the same quality of what it is that you say. And, and then some people are young so they be like i can do it It don't make a difference see there goes that ego again see there goes that little nasty little ego that you think because you are young that you can't catch diabetes no i've seen kids 13 11, 10, 15 with diabetes. And mm-hmm. I think it has to stop, Scoop. And I and I appreciate you giving me the uh, the ability to share that, man. And I, I I do my best to take care of myself, man. And and I I, I take it seriously because I watch so many hip hop artists die. I watch Andre Howell leave too soon. I watch Heavy D leave too soon. I watched Love Buck Starsky, Leave Too Soon. I can go on and on and on with this. And it wasn't no guns that did it, it was health. So I just think that health is wealth and you get wealth from your health. And that's why I did this COVID-19 video with Mm -hmm. you on YouTube. Right, I did one, I did a Latin version now because Cuomo liked the other version so much that he asked, could I do a Latin version? I brought in all of my Latino brothers and sisters and we did a video, it's on YouTube. I'm telling you, just washing your hands for 20 seconds, it will help you stop this virus so me and school can
0: get back to work and start mm-hmm. doing what we do. do. You know what I'm saying, school? Do. <laughs> so Start doing what we do, bro. There's nothing else I can say, man. Thank you very much for coming through. You know, I love you. We'll have a conversation later. And, and, I, right. and I thank you for everything, bro, because again, I'll leave you on this note, and I'm going to hang up on this. No Dougie Fresh, no Fat Man Scoop. I'll check you later, bro. Much love, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachetcha and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at fatmanscoop. Yes, I answer DMs.